0: Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights Podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We're champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Blue coming to your ears from NARM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's learn together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Doing Well. And on this week's episode, we are going to talk about overcoming my side bias, enhancing fairness in decision making. Now, this uh, when I was preparing for the episode, it was my first time seeing the word my side bias. So I'm very excited to talk to our guest today about this topic. And... Um, also, I'm a big fan of TED and you know, this is my first time talking to anyone from TED. So I'm pretty giddy with excitement. Um, and so to introduce our guest today, we have Lisa Bu in our virtual studio. Lisa Bu is the first TED staffer ever to be invited to speak on the main stage at the TED conference. Born and raised in Hunan, China, Lisa has been with TED since 2011. Before that, she spent seven years as a talk show producer and a digital media content director at Wisconsin Public Radio. She's also a computer programmer with a PhD in journalism and an MBA in information systems from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, as well as a BA in Chinese from Nanjing University in China. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Well, I mean, your background is very impressive. And, you know, I have to ask, how did you get here? You know, because it's, it's, it's interesting, computer programming, talk show producers, like very diverse. Um, and I'm curious, you know, how did you get here? Why did you choose to do the work that you're doing?
1: Well, um, so I grew up in China and I um, spent three years working after graduation from college in China, just trying to figure out what I want to do. And then um I really love uh, BBC. I I've I've been listening to BBC to learn English, but then I found out BBC is also a great source of information, kind of open the a window to the world for me. So it's like, "Hey, I want to do a job in the public media like BBC, but first I have to get educated so I can break into that field." So I uh, went to University of Wisconsin Madison to get my journalism degree, uh, but it's really hard to get a job after I got my degree. So uh, at that time, nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight, you know, the Y two K scare, um, there are a lot of jobs opening for computer programmer. So I said, well, maybe I just have to take a detour. <laughs> so I spent the next. Uh, quite a few some years uh getting my degree in information system get a job and worked as a computer programmer for uh, six seven years got my green card and then turned back uh to public media that's where really my heart is so uh that's why it uh, sounds a lot it's all because i want to survive and i want to find a job in media just find all kinds of ways to do it yeah
0: Wow, that is so interesting. <laughs> uh, so, what it is that you're doing nowadays? You know, what is uh, interesting in the media world for you lately?
1: Uh, so, right now, um, I've been working uh, for TED for well, 12 years. So, uh, my I, I'm on the uh, global business development team. So, my job has several parts. One part is really operational, technical, preparing. Uh, our files our assets we call it for our partners around the world Uh, the second part really is to trying to find revenue find uh, opportunities for business collaboration with all kinds of platforms for example uh, I have partners in China that there are video team uh, video platforms or English learning app so doing uh, business development. That's the second part. And the third part is re- really using my language skill. Um, I produce and host the TED in Chinese podcast.
0: Oh, wow. That is super cool. Well, I mean, I got to tell you, I, I told the audience at the beginning, got to tell you again, I'm a huge fan of TED. I have Thank been you. listening to TED Talks for as long as I can remember. And just, I, I feel like every time... I feel down or I feel like I'm in doubt and I don't really know what I want to do, or what I want to put on. I just throw on TED Talk. That's what I do. And um, when I used to live in a shared house, my my housemates used to say, you watch a lot of TED Talks. <laughs> that was their comment about me. I was like, Lou, you watch a lot of TED Talks. I was like, yeah, I do. I enjoy them. They're great. Um, so yeah, I'm sure you, you probably will um, be able to share with us a, a lot of interesting insights, especially because... TED Talks are such great sources of knowledge, and um, you know, obviously today we're talking about you know that you know the, the knowledge side of thing when it comes to decision making. Our point of view, and our point of view is probably influenced by multiple people's point of views, and you know, even sources on the on the internet with the influence of media. So it'll be very interesting um, to, to learn more about this topic today. But before we get there, we have a section called Have You Met Lisa? So I'm going to get some recommendations from you in this part um, and five very simple things. So first thing that comes into your mind and I'll prompt you with some question. First of all, what is a book you would recommend?
1: Um, my very, changed my life is this book, The Power of Myth by Joseph oh. Campbell. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's Joseph Campbell. Well, he already passed away. He's a uh, well, uh, like world-renowned um, researcher on uh, mythology, and he is also the mentor of George Lucas, who made uh, Star Wars, inspired really by kind of the hero's journey, uh, uh, this archetype
0: in uh, in Joseph Campbell's research. Yeah, definitely changed my life. Oh wow, amazing! Okay, I'm already putting that onto my uh, to-buy list. So thank you. It will be right in my amazon cart <laughs> um, next uh next one is about a movie what is a movie you would recommend i would love uh for scump mm, yeah what a great one very cl- such a classic and you're a guest on our podcast today what is a podcast you would recommend to our audience um
1: if it's uh, uh english pod, uh, in- if you uh only understand english uh I always love the hidden brain. Now you can tell, like, I love psychology. <laughs> uh, yeah. a hidden brain. Uh, and then if if you also happen to understand Chinese, my go-to um, podcast is Bu Ming Bai Um It's produced by a great uh, journalist from New York Times.
0: Wow, I love that. And, and the English podcast, the, the hidden brain podcast, I literally just watched his TED Talk the other day. So, yeah, I just I just saw it the other day and then you mentioned him today. I'm like, yes, I love that. I haven't listened to the podcast very often, but um, I really love the TED Talk. So, yeah, now that you've shared your recommendation, I will definitely put that onto my to listen list. And next question is about your role model. Now, this could be a famous person or if you don't have a famous role model, we would love to hear if you have a personal role model or you can share both. Okay, I'll share both. My first
1: one actually will be a fictional character. So when I was growing up, uh, Jane Eyre from that novel, Jane Eyre, she's kind of my role model, how to be strong, how to become independent. Um, so that's her. And after I came to U.S. Uh, the first several years, Oprah really um, was my role model because she's in media, she she's great, and she came from a humble background so it's a very inspiring story and nowadays um i really uh see my dear dear friend my 94 year old friend emmy Gartsky in madison wisconsin my role model she's my host mother when i came to us um, mm-hmm. she she has this wonderful zest for life and i love her approach to um getting old and uh also how to overcome challenges in life
0: yeah, well, that's so sweet, and I I love all of your role models, and I guess you know we we learn different things from different people, but uh, the, we learn the most uh, through people that we are close to, and you know people in our lives. So that's really wonderful yeah. to hear. Last question in this part: What is a course you've completed that left a really strong impact on you?
1: Um, I really love the uh, social psychology class I took in grad school. Um, it was it's it's really the first time I have this um comprehensive training of all the theories or methodology or conclusion uh in social psychology it's just eye-opening you really like human beings are such a interesting uh, predictable sometimes not predictable other times it's just it's a it's a great kind of uh, self-awareness or 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 know everyone it it, it just um, made a big impact on me
0: yeah wow that sounds very fascinating and you know it's like one class but it left a really strong impact on you so um, and I think that's why you were saying earlier you really like psychology and I think it's kind of you know interrelated so yeah that makes a lot of sense all right so now let's talk about today's topic now that we've got to know you a bit better we're going to talk about my side bias I'm very curious about this topic because uh, as I said, when I was uh, preparing for this recording, I was kind of looking at the word, and I'm like, "Oh, I know exactly what that's about." But it's also my first time seeing the word, so it's not that foreign of a concept. I'm pretty sure everyone can understand um, that vaguely, but we'll go into more details today. And it's in the con- context of well-being because um, our well-being is made up of so many different aspects, right? So this is one particular aspect, especially when it comes to decision making, um, and You know, having fairness in decision-making can impact ourselves, impact others, and essentially our well-being. Now, before we start uh, digging deep into that topic, we always talk to our guests about well-being because that's what the show is about. So, Lisa, what does well-being mean to you? Um,
1: It has, most importantly, three dimensions for me. The first is a sense of control. Um, You kind of, you know... i'm going to be fine or you uh, or the the, the community we're going to be fine if something happens blah, blah, blah. so that's well the first dimension the second dimension is sense of purpose you feel your life your time uh, your effort is has a they, they all serve a purpose so you have something to look forward to and the third dimension for me is a sense of belonging um so you belong to a tribe, a belong to a group, or community. So you don't feel alone. You don't feel um, not supported. Um, so for me, those three dimensions um, are the most important facets of a well-being.
0: Yeah, that's really good to hear. And in fact, you know, the, the recording I just did earlier today was focusing a lot of the, the sense of control and you know being able to make our own decision having autonomy in our lives and um that is definitely one of the key aspects to it um but i think you know when it comes to decision making there's so much more to just you know being able to make your own decision right it's also about are you making the right decision especially for your well-being you know like uh, um, is your decision being influenced in a good way or a bad way or you know are you actually making this decision for your authentic self like those are the questions that you know. I guess we we all ask ourselves because we make decisions on a daily basis, whether it be a really small thing or really big thing, um, and that can impact our well being directly. Like you know, it's as simple as okay, should I sit here and watch some TV or should I go for a walk? You know, like th- those things. Um, I, I think little moments in life really add up, and and they're really important. So having that sense of control and making the right decision for yourself is so important. But those are just a few things when it comes to well-being. I'm sure you've probably encountered um, a lot of different aspects of well-being and you know how people approach their well-being uh, in your line of work, and especially since you're so interested in psychology, you you'll, you'll see this um, quite often. So, what are some of the things that you think people get wrong when it comes to well-being? Like, what are some of the biggest misconceptions out there, in your opinion?
1: Um, I will uh, two two mis perceptions stand out for me the first is people many people tend to think well-being is a very static state but it's actually fluctuate uh, it means you feel great today you may not feel great all the time you may have ups and downs it's all fine it's a kind of uh, there's a range as long as you stay in that range you'll keep fine so you won't feel Ooh, today I feel kind of so down. There's something wrong with me. It, so it's gonna be ups and downs within that range. So that's uh the, the the first uh misperception. And the second uh misperception is uh there some people may think there are some absolute uh, criteria you have to hit to measure your well being. Actually, I don't think. There's any absolute, like a measurement there. Um, so if people can have um, this two perception, misperceptions
0: corrected, they may have an easy time on them on selves. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. You know, like, those are um, pretty apparent, but sometimes people just don't see it because, especially when when it was the first one that you mentioned, right? The the static state of well being versus the fluctuating state of well being. Um, it's been mentioned quite a few times on this podcast, but I, I think it's still important to emphasize on the fact that if you're not feeling well today, it doesn't mean that you don't have a sense of well being. It just means that maybe, you know, your well being needs a little bit of TLC today. You need to take extra care of yourself today. And, you know, maybe tomorrow you'll feel great again. Um and I, I think that is where a lot of people are kind of frustrated because um, yeah. Maybe there are periods or prolonged periods of time where they don't feel great. They don't feel a sense of well-being, and and in that sense, they just kind of give up on taking care of themselves, or they feel frustrated. Um, and feeling and sometimes, and this has happened to me actually, feeling frustrated for feeling frustrated. Like I feel yes. like you know it's been it's been not great for a long time, and so I feel not great for the fact that it's been not great for a long time. So it's kind of like <laughs> so I'm stop. adding. Yeah, I'm adding more stress on top of uh, what is already not not so not so great of a thing and that's just puts more pressure on it and really it's it's okay. I think it's so hard to say this out loud, but it's okay to not be okay sometimes, you know? Yeah, indeed. Um
1: I I've seen this and I've experienced this myself where you are doing a project or finishing a class or have you are uh doing a job and it's like Jesus, this is really frustrating and I'm not making progress or something goes wrong. And then you said, am I, is this for me? Is this degree for me? Is this job for me? Is this a project for me? So you will have self doubt, but it may just for that a short period of time. And once you kind of pull back, have a longer uh, time perspective to look at things, you will feel much, um, how do I say it's like, ups and downs are normal yeah. um uh, no matter how great job it is like i love my job at ted um but there's sometimes you do get frustrated <laughs> so like yeah. a, oh my gosh i really don't like i don't yeah. know how to unstuck myself uh, yeah but it's just that normal just just stay with it just observe it let it go um work a little bit of uh like i i love uh, a thing um i was told by um by, uh, by my fellow graduate students at grad school, they say one day at a time. You yeah. just need to do one day at a time. Don't think too far along because it's going to be uh, intimidating. When you look at the whole project, oh my gosh, how can I do that? Just take a next step, next day. Uh, don't let this bigger goal I- intimidate you. and. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. It's so true. I think it's it's interesting when you talk about project because um, my background is in project management and I, I see everything as a project and sometimes the, to, to a fault because, you know, like I overwhelm myself with, for example, the live project. I'm like, oh, look, these are all the things that I want to achieve and these are all the different steps that I want to get to. And I overwhelm myself by planning 10, 20 steps ahead when things don't normally go as you plan in life. Like projects at work maybe. But not life. Um, So, you know, it's taken me so long to let go of that, like planning and control and just making sure things are in my diary at a certain time and having things go as planned or go as I want them to be. They just don't go that way, you know, because life is unpredictable and there's lots of different factors that would, you know, impact um, where your life's going to go and how things are going to unfold. And so... Now, I totally agree with you. I just embrace one day at a time. And, you know, I I remember one of the guests on the show even mentioned at one time, if it's too overwhelming, take it one day at a time. Or maybe actually not not one of the guests, but um, I saw this somewhere on the internet, actually, apologies. If it's still overwhelming, take it an hour at a time. If that is still overwhelming, take it a minute at a time. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that that helps immensely when it comes to dealing with anxiety and um, you know because that's what people a lot of people are going through nowadays right like anxiety is a real thing especially when life's unpredictable and you just want to like have everything under control but it doesn't always work that way and yeah and I oftentimes like,
1: we have perfectionism
0: yeah, working against us exactly we just want everything to go the way we want them to go and we're just kind of like oh like it has to be this way otherwise i won't do it well not really you're okay you know just just go with the flow and and things will be okay and that's so hard to embrace you know sometimes it's really hard to embrace because you always want things to go a certain way um um and speaking of which today's topic is about the my side bias and the fairness in decision making i mean i know that it's uh it's a broader topic than just you know making decisions for ourselves but um i think it, when it comes to our lives, right, we are trying to make the best decisions at all times, given all the information that we know, so that our lives can go a certain way. But sometimes, even when we think that we've made the best decision, it doesn't go as well as we think. Or sometimes we think we made a bad decision and things go so well. Or sometimes we just make a decision based on the information that we have. And then we just kind of shooting into thin air, we kind of really don't know what's going to happen. And then it works out. So You know, I think that's the wonderful thing about life. You never know what's going to happen. And instead of trying to have everything under control, it's just good to, like you said, take it one day at a time. And I'm saying this out loud to remind myself, you know, but first and foremost, I'm reminding myself of this every single day because every single day is a battle. So, yeah, I think it's a a really good point that you raised. Um, So now that we've touched on that decision-making a little bit, Today's topic is about uh, the my side bias. And this is probably uh, the complete opposite or maybe the other side of the coin when it comes to having open-mindedness. So we would love to ask you to help us define this so that our audience can start to think about these concepts. How would you define open-mindedness versus my side bias? Okay. So I'm going to go uh, my side bias first. Uh, Tell the truth. This is the first time
1: I hear about this uh, uh, term when I get the agenda. But then once I uh, look into it, uh, it's actually a form of confirmation bias, which is a, um, a term have been using in psychology for a long time. So what it means is a tendency for people to seek out, to process, to memorize information that agree or confirm their existing beliefs, opinions, or attitude. Basically, you are uh, um, have this tendency to over uh, seek or use information that agree with you, and then you kind of dispute or ignore information that doesn't agree with your existing belief or opinion. So open mindedness will be the uh, opposite. Open mind means you actively aware and actually, take effort to seek out information that's different, even opposite to what you already know or believe or want to believe. Um, so it's a it it's two different tendency in terms of information seeking and information processing. This is in very academic psychology. <laughs>
0: yeah. Definitely. I think it's uh, it sounds a little technical, but in fact, it's we see this every day, right? Um, yeah, there are a lot of examples. Yeah, um, I see myself still doing it. For
1: example, <laughs> uh, um, what uh, uh, TV or what uh, books or YouTube channel do you watch? Like, I can see myself. Oh, usually, I subscribe to channels that kind of uh, they're uh, like oh, kind of agree with uh, with my opinion in political or cultural uh, um, issues yeah. um, I tend to um, discount what or totally ignore uh, some information source that don't agree with me so I can see that um, happen to myself and to I mean oh my gosh the, the, the next year going to be election year you're gonna see a lot of like a political party <laughs> you only get information from the liberal information sources or the conservative information sources we see this all the time
0: yeah well, I think that's such a good point that you raised there because um, when it comes to my side bias uh, or confirmation bias it's basically also influenced by what we consume daily and where we point our attention right because it's up to the channels that we follow the the, the news um, uh, platforms that we're, we frequent, sometimes even the different uh, magazines and online magazines that uh, we visit the most because uh, people all have biases. So, you know, if we follow a certain channel or a certain stream of information, that's what we're going to keep getting. The algorithm or whatever it is might not suggest new things or things that are different, but uh, most of the time it's kind of like, they just going to keep suggesting the same thing or similar things. So you're getting affirmed by what you want to believe in, basically. Yeah, and then it's
1: a wonderful feeling when you are validated.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right? I think That's human
1: human beings, it's primal. We want to be validated. We
0: want yeah. to feel I'm right. <laughs> yeah, oh, so true. Um, <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, we want to be right at all times. I couldn't agree more. And that is why the the my side bias that we uh, we've been talking about here it it influences our judgments uh, without us realizing it sometimes because we're following we think that we're following the uh, the best source of information or the best uh, way of thinking. Only because that's what we think to be the good things, right? So we're it, it's affecting us um, every day without us realizing it. So you know the the my side bias here, the, as we mentioned earlier, it doesn't just influence the big decisions we make in life, but maybe even um, everyday daily decisions and and decisions that uh, impact us in our well being uh, in real life. So what would be that impact of you know letting our my side bias Sort of take over sometimes and affect our decision making ability, and especially when it comes to our well being, you know, this is important to know. Uh, yeah. So um, there are,
1: um, for example, well being. Oftentimes, we get um, information from we call uh, influencers, mm-hmm. and where do you find influencers? Probably, people. Um, you think oh he this person shares da, 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 da with me therefore i can have more trust or this person therefore has more credibility oftentimes we either feel ourselves know hey, i'm pretty kind of objective but sometimes you just didn't realize you have that bias working in your head um so for uh, for the well-being i think it's how do i say this uh <laughs> I'm rambling now. Um, I think it's very important to be aware. We are very easy to have this bias. Therefore, it's important to make extra effort to seek out people who are unlike us yeah. or from a different perspective. Yeah. Um, so for example, um, uh, talking about sleep, you know, uh, there's so much, uh, especially uh, uh, a few years ago, so much talking about, oh, this entrepreneur or that great artist, like they don't sleep. It's it's, <laughs> it's like sleep sleep only a few hours. They seem to be kind of a, a badge of honor.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. But then if you kind of um, not careful, you uh, kind of, oh, I'm kind of agree because I, uh, if you say, oh, look how hard I'm working. I have hardly uh, enough hours to sleep. Therefore, like I must be very good because I work so hard. And then you seek out more information to validate, to confirm this. Versus if you go say, is that really good for me? Is it really good for my health, or for my relationship? Then maybe seek out other information, either from doctors, from uh, psychologists, from uh, even anthropologists, believe it or not, who study sleeping yeah. then you realize it's actually not good for you uh, because our brain needs sleep to flush the waste out of your brain, literally, bi- biology. Then mm-hmm. you can have um, better, well, not only brain function, but emotional well-being and then your overall health because you, you have less stress. So that's, a, that's an example. Like, yeah. Um, don't start uh, your... Information seeking or information processing from a already preconceived uh, opinion. But yeah. really, kind of let me let like put away my badge of honor and just just try to be like a scientist. Seek out yeah. information from all kinds of uh, sources.
0: Oh yeah, I really love that because um, in Adam Grant's book Think Again. That's exactly the concept, right? uh, It's a thing like a scientist. And um, I think that that's a a new skills for a lot of people because not everyone is a scientist, but in fact, it's a really good skill to to harness. And speaking of sleep, that's hilarious you said that because, again, there was another TED Talk that I watched the other day. Um, The TED Talk is called Sleep is Your Superpower. And... Yeah, that's, that's based on research, you know, it, it's based on actual facts. And so I believe in that. And and again, like th- this is where, where I seek information. Like I go to TED talks because I know it's not based on um, sort of like, you know, random um, people just, you know, sharing their opinion, but also most of the time based on research, based on facts, uh, some other times based on actual experience that, that we can relate with. Um, but and of course, you know, one size does not fit all. So it means even when I really enjoy certain TED Talks, I'm not just following the TED Talks for the sake of it. And thinking like a scientist It's kind of fun because you challenge everything that you think and all the information that you are absorbing. Um, if someone is saying something, you just don't take it as, at face value, basically. Um, and you know, sometimes it feels really amazing when someone validates you or reaffirm your belief, just like what you were saying earlier. But when that happens, it's also good to think of the other you know, end of the spectrum. Okay, that's really good to hear that someone thinks the way that I think, but I wonder what other people, unlike me, would think. So then you know, it helps to kind of, um, harness the best source of information. And, you know, when, when we are making wise decisions for ourselves, obviously we're going to enhance our well being. like the, the sleep example, you were saying, if I just follow, um, that and say, Oh yeah, like, you know, like, if I don't sleep and I just keep working and, you know, like going with the grind, I'll be great. Well, I might not be eventually. So yeah, that, that's kind of important for us to remember. Um, so, when we were talking about you know that my side bias earlier, um, we were also touching on fairness in decision making. Now, I'm I'm sure we're covering fairness in in all shapes and forms. Like, is it fair to us? Is it fair to others? Um, maybe in the organizational context, is it fair to our colleagues, our teams? Um, but when we are talking about thinking like a scientist, a lot of the time we tend to get let's say, a little upset when people challenge our beliefs, right? So we ourselves don't even want to start to think, to, to challenge our beliefs. But I think if we have that skills of being able to challenge our beliefs a bit more, we're okay with other people challenging our beliefs too, because we know it's not personal, it's just for the best. Um, and I think that takes a lot of emotional intelligence, because a lot of the time we're kind of, we're kind of thinking, oh, that person has something against me for them to question me like that. But in fact, it's not. It's just the thinking itself, right? So, how would you um, how would you say that emotional intelligence can help us to harness this potential of, you know, understanding my side bias um, versus you know understanding you know open mindedness, so we can make fair decisions?
1: Yeah, um, you know, human beings, even though we have our thinking brain, our reasoning capability, but most of the time, we are uh, uh, very driven by emotion, by intuition. So uh, emotional uh, intelligence really kind of tapping to that emotional side. So it's a great resources, but we just have to be smart about it. Uh, when it's, when we face cha- challenges uh, uh, from uh, another person, it's worthwhile to kind of, uh, okay, pause. Why I feel this way? Because our emotion is always true. So you have to look why do I have this feeling being Feel heard or feel uh, invalidated. Uh, there's a wonderful research uh, about our brain. There, um, there are two type of zones we can be in the brain. One is learning zone. One is performance zone. Learning zone means at that time your brain is just trying to get information because you know it, it knows the information it already has is not complete or may not be accurate so it, it needs to optimize to improve its its model there the performance zone instead is look how how great i am look how smart i am so when you feel that hurt feeling from challenge from the person just pause like am i in a learning zone or am i in a performance zone? if i feel hurt, maybe because i feel i'm in the performance zone this person's uh challenge is kind of Criticizing me, kind of disapproving me. What if I switch my zone, my brain to the uh, to the learning zone, and this is kind of a self awareness in your emotional, in your EQ, to look a little bit deeper, pause the knee jerk reaction. Oh, I'm hurt. Oh, this feels <laughs> uh, painful. Just, just, just stay with that feeling for a moment and say, am I on a learning zone? I'm on a performance zone. <laughs> mm. I think that helped you kind of, oh, actually, this feedback, this challenge may help me if I put myself in the learning zone. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that is so true, and it's so important, right? When you when you think about the way you approach information, if we all approach it in in the sense of learning and get that curiosity, it feels so much better than oh yeah, like I'm just annoyed by this thought or this comment, or um, I I feel certain ways about a source of information. And in fact, um, whatever comes your way might be an opportunity to learn new things. It's kind of like like scientists would gather data, right? So that's exactly right. what we're doing. You're just gathering more data. Um, so I, I think another thing that is interesting about this whole concept is, it's not just about our um, way of thinking. It's also about the people that we surround ourselves with. I think you mentioned this briefly earlier. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure people might've heard of the concept of groupthink. And this yeah. is where, you know, we are in a, in a group of people, we get influenced by um, everyone's opinion. And, and we kind of like a, this tendency to want to agree with the group um, to fit in, to belong, it affects the decision-making. So we talked about open-mindedness for an individual, which is, you know, that's, crucial and it, it starts with individuals, but in the group context, it is going to be more challenging. So how can we encourage that open-mindedness in, in the group context so that we can ensure that, you know, the fair exchange of ideas are being made and we actually come to some fair decisions that are going to be beneficial for the greater good of the whole group? Um, I think, first of all,
1: it's important for the group to realize the possibility of groupthink and to find a way to prevent it from happening. So if you already have like a, OK, we, 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 it could happen. So that already a, a big step. And the step one will, there, there are concrete steps or methods you can implement to prevent or reduce groupthink. One could be, uh, let's have um, a facilit- uh, like. A uh, third party facilitator rather than the boss mm-hmm. there facilitating the conversation. Uh, a, another method, very uh, often used, is let's get anonymous uh, feedback so people will have kind of more safety to express their true opinion or feeling. Yeah. So there are uh, ways to, I think, is mentally. The whole team needs to be aware of the possibility, the risk of groupthink. And then, second rule, we'll take actions, steps to prevent it, reduce it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think it, it starts with um, the awareness as well, right? Because uh, more often than not, I think people are familiar with the concept of groupthink and they they understand the risks that come with it, but they're just not Thinking about the fact that, oh, maybe we need a third-party facilitator today, or maybe we need to challenge what we th- we are thinking. Like, I'm I'm sure um, all teams are aware of this, but you know, it's just not on in the forefront of their thinking when it comes to a discussion. Perhaps because if there's a problem at hand or if there's a project to tackle, um, people might just get on with it and you know get things done um, without taking a moment to pause and and build in those mechanisms to help you know, prevent, um, you know, having the bias. Um, and another thing that's interesting in psychology and you're a fan of psychology. So, um, you know, this concept is, is probably gonna be fun to dis- discuss uh, when, it, when it's your turn, but uh, cognitive dissonance is a, is a real thing in our lives, right? It, it happens. And I mean, a few years ago, I had no idea what cognitive dissonance meant, uh, but I've been, I've been a, a huge fan of uh, psychology recently. And in the recent years, I've read up on it a bit more. For our audience, maybe not, uh, but I do know that it can be a barrier to our open-mindedness, you know, because, um, you know, of, of how it is. So uh, first of all, you know, since you're a fan of psychology, you could probably help our audience to understand what that means, um, cognitive dissonance. And second of all, how can we be aware of our own cognitive dissonance so that we can, you know, make unbiased decisions and be wiser in our decision-making process.
1: Um, so cognitive uh, uh, dissonance, uh, gee, I, d- I don't give like a very academic yeah, answer. No,
0: we can just talk about it in a more casual way than academic, because, you know, we're not <laughs> in that field academically. So yeah, yeah, you can explain it in your own words. Yeah, and we can cut so, that part before as well, Yeah.
1: yeah uh couple of dissonance basically you have like a conflict in your head about about uh about something uh you want to avoid that conflict uh of that op- opinion so you sometimes people uh, do all kinds conscious or unconsciously tricks to avoid or resolve that um so I think again um if we Again I'm gonna use the our our brain we have our reasoning brain and we have our primal more emotional side uh, so self- awareness is really important mm-hmm. um I love there's a um uh, African proverb this is uh something from the uh, Nigerian Igbo people they say wherever something stands something else will stand beside it uh-huh. so that means the world is uh We are living in a world of duality. There's not just like binary, like either white or white, black or white. It's like sometimes conflict thing can happen at the same time. Um, Emotionally, uh, so so that's the reasoning side, but self more self-awareness, your emotional resource really tap into your own uh, feelings is observe it, stay with it again, stay with it avoid like immediate knee jerk reaction and then really think a li- uh, like feel a little bit deeper why I feel this way um, I um, I want to share uh, like probably um, a little bit of a story is easier when I was at the Wisconsin Public Radio we have a producer uh, Charles Morrow um he did a story about his hometown in Ho- Ohio Believe it or not, the town, small town, is called center of the world, literally. Wow. Yeah. It's a it's a town that's uh, really uh, has gone through terrible economic times. The uh, their steel mill is closed, and a lot of people had uh, drug addiction problem. You know the opiate uh, abuse. Um, a lot of people are uh, losing jobs, but but they don't they don't leave. They they stayed there. So Charles Martin King went there to interview his friends from high school, his parents and relatives, a lot of people there, just to try to understand like uh, why people are stuck there. Um, one in his mind, he has great sympathy for these people, but at the same time, he felt very frustrated because he cannot convince them to like. Make a better decision. Don't draw your 401 one k, another job, or get some training. Um, but once he uh, he kind of he's being brutally honest uh, with with his emotion and with this empathy, with this uh, open mindedness to talk to those to those people. And then he realized is like for him, his decision to leave the town to go to uh, a, a a bigger city to have a, a a very different line of work um he's kind of um, a person who loves adventure who loves new experience but for his for his people who stayed in ohio in that little town for them it's loyalty i'm loyal to the place um i care about my fellow human beings here i need to stay with them so once he Got to that level, yeah. It's still kind of uh, conflict in his head, but he stayed, He can understand. He, yeah. it. It's no longer a like this frustration disappeared. Yeah, Re- it. It's replaced with deep understanding, um, empathy, uh, appreciation. It doesn't still, It doesn't solve the problem. Still, doesn't solve the problem. But at least there's no more fight between <laughs> yeah between the two groups. Yeah.
0: yeah, definitely. I think the antidote to cognitive dissonance is uh, probably open-mindedness, which is the, the opposite of my side bias, right? Because uh, we, we just try to reaffirm our belief, and if it's against our belief system, we kind of have this really strong reaction. And sometimes we we make ourselves feel um, perhaps uneasy for you know trying to resist uh, the new sources of information or um, you know a, a resistance from from others against our ideas and I think that's it's kind of like a, a constant battle really because we're all different as humans and sometimes when something is not going our way or something is not um, with our belief system we're kind of questioning. Why, why are people thinking a certain way and kind of resisting that idea is not really helpful? And I think I mean, growing up, I was certainly that person as well. I'm not I'm not saying that I'm great at you know being open-minded. I was that person, and I was kind of thinking, oh, yeah, you know, I remember when my um my cousins uh, moved away from our hometown to live in a, in a different city, you know, our, our whole family, our whole extended family is, is in the capital city and they moved to a whole different city. And I was kind of like, why would they do that? You know, they're so far away and they have to spend so much money on traveling back and forth. And they're so far away from family. Um, why would they choose that life? And I grew up and I understood perfectly why they did what they did. Because it's just, you know, a, a different belief system, different value system. And, um, you know, it's for the best. And that is one small example amongst, I would say, many, many more examples that everyone can probably relate with. Uh, Maybe an idea from back when we were smaller and we kind of resisted. And then we realized, oh, now I understand that perfectly. When you grow up, because you get new perspectives, you hear new stories and you kind of understand. And when you try to understand uh, where other people are coming from, it, it really helps. Uh, But I don't think it, it, you know, I don't think it discounts the fact that sometimes there are certain decisions that are just um, probably not beneficial for anyone being made. And at those times, uh, while it's good to remain open minded, it's also good to sort of keep that the thought in mind that, yeah. If we think like scientists, if we we look at everything um, of the big picture, we'll know whether it's actually a good decision or a not so great decision. You know, was, there are certain things that can only make sense with time. But I think more often than not, we can we can see the signs pretty clearly. Um, for example, if we um, spend a lot of time just consuming content instead of creating content, um, and we kind of feel stuck, that's that's maybe maybe a good sign. You know, because oh yeah, you know what? Like you're you're kind of not feeling great about this, so maybe you should stop. Maybe you should redirect your attention, and that'll be good for you. So, I'm saying all of this to kind of share how I would personally interpret. Um, you know, in, in building that open mindedness into my lives and kind of look, looking out for that my side bias. But what are some of the what are some of the other you know actionable steps that our audience could probably potentially take um, so that you know, a they enhance their open mindedness and b they sort of monitor their my side bias so that they can make and and process decisions better in both their personal lives and in group context in professional lives. One very uh, useful strategy I use myself is always try go beyond
1: a label, mm-hmm. try to approach um, someone, not as a member of a group, but really see that person as an individual. Um, one example is um, I well, uh, I once have a coworker. Um, she tends to be very uh, kind of disorganized, we're very different uh, working style uh, one time we um ha- happened to pass uh some of us uh have some event near her house and then see her house. It's uh kind of April, uh Easter time, but her door still has the Christmas wreath there. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like my immediate oh my gosh, like this. And then later on, later on, then I learned um she hadn't put down the wreath, it's terrible, it's dried and it's kind of uh, ugly looking now. because a bird made a nest and then there are eggs in that wreath. So, so you don't, once you know that person and then dig a little bit deeper the, the reason behind a behavior or a decision, that may change your mind, that may change your perception of the, this person. So I always remember because I just feel so embarrassed that time. I said that next time I need to do a better job, not to pass opinion or judgment so quickly. Just, um, yeah. yeah, not to see person as a someone as a label, as a group yeah. label, uh, yeah. rather than what, like a, a very uh, concrete individual.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's a process, right? It's like an, a, a continual continuous learning process in our lives where we just continue to challenge ourselves when it comes to these kinds of thinking because it's easy to jump to conclusion. It's easy to label things like you were saying because that's what we're used to. If we see a messy person, we're like, "Oh, that person's just messy." But when we really dig deep, maybe that person needs help because they're struggling mentally and they they're not messy. They are actually very clean, but right now they're going through a rough time, and they just don't want to clean. I th- that's what I've learned through, you know, um, watching a lot of a TED talks and be lots of videos on and research on psychology. I think that's that helps to to enhance our open mindedness too. So that's strategy number one, and the second strategy I is is what I uh, discussed. Like mm-hmm.
1: I have like a. Uh, always ask myself, am I in the performance zone or in the learning zone? Uh, because that really reduced the anxiety, oh, I'm doing terrible or I'm a failure. But then, the, oh, I'm just learning this, uh, this uh, obstacle or someone's uh, challenging to me. Then you don't take it so personally. Um, uh, one story I, uh, I, I heard from a, just listening to podcasts Uh, There is a a Nobel Prize-winning biologist, so uh, when he was doing an interview, the reporter asked himself, you studied life all your career. Uh, What makes a life life? And then he said, um, when you look at rock, like a rock is not a life. It's pretty stable, pretty uh, enduring. But they said, why? Because rock doesn't like life make mistakes. What makes life is something that can make makes mistakes. Because when the life is uh, duplicating uh, itself, uh, procreating itself, here there are always some mistakes. But it's those mistakes that provide opportunity for evolution, for becoming better. Yeah. So. Wh- so I, I love that story. So I always remind myself when you in a hardship, when you are down, is you say like, I'm not a rock. I've why i make a mistake, it's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a really beautiful reminder. Yeah, I think it's um, it's good to remember that in the context of decision-making as well, because sometimes we make decisions and then they turn out to be terrible decisions. And then we're like, oh, why am I so stupid? No. That's also like part of the self-talk as well. No. You're not stupid. <laughs> You're just learning.
1: Yeah, exactly. And don't be so hard uh, on yourself. And and also don't be so hard on, on other people. Uh, so that's strategy number two. Strategy yeah. number three, I call it uh life rehearsal. Because some I sometimes it's just so hard to make a decision by thinking about it. Yeah. I would like to have a life rehearsal. So I'll give you a real example. Um uh, I told you I, I was a programmer for computer programmer for seven years. It's time for me to decide. Okay, do I really switch over to media and get uh, like quit my pretty comfortable computer job, comfortable lifestyle, and become this poor graduate student again and do my PhD? It's hard to make a decision because it's such a big decision. And I'm I say, well, am I going to be? Uh, so poor, and I have to take so much student debt. So let me try this rehearsal idea I got from Benjamin Franklin. So Benjamin Franklin, when he was a young printer, um, he, uh, he has a small business, a printing shop. One time he is debating whether to print this very, uh, controversial pamphlet. He, kn- he knew if he printed, he may go into trouble and his business may go bankrupt. But he, if he doesn't, he, may, he will feel kind of regret. So what did he do? He decided to live a poor man's job for a week. He will just drink water, eat bread, and sleep on the floor for a week. She said, if I feel fine after a week, I'm going to print it. If I cannot stand it, then I'm not going to print it. Well, he felt fine, so he printed. And luckily, he didn't get into trouble. So I used the same idea. I lived for six months, a poor graduate student lifestyle, no dining out, no travel, no new clothes, nothing. So really, just live on a poor graduate student uh, budget for six months. So I was thinking, if I feel fine, then I'm gonna quit my job and go back, go to graduate school. If I don't feel fine, hey, I saved a nice sum of money. I can. Take a trip or something. After six months, I feel fine. I made the decision. I was so confident I was making the right decision because I tried it. Yeah, so that's that's a strategy
0: I I recommend to people. Oh, good! Wow, yeah, I've never heard of that before. And you, you're probably giving people a lot of ideas. Yeah, live rehearsal. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a nice, uh, such a nice thing. Yeah. We, we don't know until we've tried. Right. So I really like that you, you actually went ahead and try it. Yeah. It, because it
1: give, again, you are not only use your reasoning brain, you're using your emotion. You're using your feeling to give yourself more feedback. If this is a, a right decision for you down the road.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Lisa, for that. I really love all those strategies, especially the last one, the live rehearsal. I, I think, yeah, yeah I, I got to try that too. Because uh, w- I've been con- contemplating whether I should do a PhD, you know, like w- to research something in depth. What is it? I don't know yet. <laughs> but then I was also thinking the same question. I was like, do I want to go back to being a student? I don't know. You know, like it's it's already been challenging, like this this adulting life um I I love learning, which is why I started to think about it. But maybe I can try um, and and research what people with PhD lives um, look look like. And I can, you know, try to live like them for a little bit and see if I can stand it. Uh, So, yeah, that's fun. Uh, I like that. Thank you so much for that. Now let's go into something a bit more practical even. Um, I know you've given us some strategies and tips, uh, but we have this practice part where we dig deeper into one particular practice that um, our audience could potentially try. So today we're talking about overcoming my side bias. And um, obviously you were already mentioning some steps to you know cultivate our open-mindedness and um, try different things. But what would be one strategy that you would recommend to anyone so that they can overcome their my side bias?
1: I would say to watch out our information diet. You know, when we eat food, we know, oh, you cannot eat just one food good. You need to have a variety. I yeah. think the information diet is similar. If you want to have all the nutrients to be healthy, um, Watch out for uh like try to get information from primary sources. Um if you want to understand politics or let's say why Republicans think that way, really talk to a Republican, an individual, um kind of have a in-depth conversation with that person, not just read what's written about Republicans on the on the news. Um so uh have variety of information sources uh preferably primary source or first hand information and the second is just to um information bias okay I have to take <laughs> a second um I probably will go back to the um that uh that uh gro- the Learning zone versus performance zone. Just be aware. Um, when you are encountering information that doesn't agree with your existing opinion, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just have to switch your your, your brain mode to, uh, to the learning zone. And uh, ask yourself, why do I need to feel validated so often? That's actually a sign of what, self-doubt, and you need to have uh, external someone to give you validation. Therefore, you feel good about it yourself. So I think it's good to switch, uh, to, to be aware, and then to switch from a performance zone to learning zone when you are encountering uh, challenging information. Mm-hmm. There's a great TED Talk, by the way, about this uh, learning zone and the performance zone, um, the, the The speaker's name is. uh, Let's see, I have it here. Eduardo Mm Brisenio. Yeah.
0: Okay. If you want, uh, if you want, I can later on. I can send you the the link. Yeah, yeah, certainly. We can link that in the show notes for our audience for sure. Hmm. Um, So that's that one. And then,
1: uh, if I may, uh, to help, kind of all of us have this um, self awareness. I highly recommend a wonderful book by uh, Jonathan Haidt. He's a, guess what, social psychologist. <laughs> it's called the Righteous, the Righteous Mind. It's talking exactly about this kind of uh, my side bias. Um, he, he digs very deep into the uh, fundamental factors that cause this bias. Once you know why, it's much easier to uh, deal with to, to come up with a solution.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of those uh, practices, not just one. I think you gave us about three, and that's really good to know. Now, um, let's go to the last part of this conversation. We've covered quite a bit um, of information already about, you know, overcoming my side bias, cultivating our open-mindedness um, and some really interesting practical tips from you. Um, I think at the end of the day, it it is something that we need to start from self-awareness, right? We need to really think about how we are thinking in the first place, which is, uh, again, like I've talked about this book so many times on um, on the two different shows I host here at LMSL, but I just think it's so um, suitable um, if our audience would also probably try reading Think Again by Adam Grant. It's such a great read when it comes to challenge our thinking and thinking like a scientist. Um, and another another one that I've been reading recently that's also probably really good to give perspectives would be the art of thinking clearly um, by Robert. I forgot his last name now, but yeah, like um, it's such a great read. Cause it's like a collection of short essays, I would say. and But it's really amazing in helping us to think about how we're thinking and um, sort of, ways to look out for biases in our thinking and maybe sometimes the thing that we think to be right might not be so um and you know that's that's kind of like the fun of learning that's the fun about life that you you get to learn new things all the time Uh, it keeps you on your toes and keeps you sort of really just engaged in life Um, so Last, um, before we let you go, I would love to get you to do a little open mic. I know you have your own TED Talk already. So this <laughs> is, you know, normally I tell my guests, imagine you have your own TED Talk stage. Why don't you, gonna talk about? <laughs> you already have your own TED Talk stage. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know more about, um, you know, what else you're passionate about, what else you would like to share with our audience. Uh, maybe it could be on the same topic, or maybe it could be about something else that you're passionate about. So the floor are yours. Go for it
1: oh thank you um i'm all always uh, passionate about reading about books and my ted talk is also about the power of reading um i'm happy to report that but, uh i have my uh, uh my book like all uh, the basis of the talk coming out but it's in chinese i'm sorry <laughs> uh, uh, so the the chinese title is uh, uh, like So it means, uh, reading for defiance, how to overcome challenges in life. Um, I'm also kind of passionate about um, uh, kind of a, the creative side of things. Um, I'm always like to uh try a little bit, uh, like oh maybe uh writing fiction or maybe uh tried to learn a music instrument so for me life is like a buffet i wanted to try every dish a little bit i may not be good at, at like majority of them but just the fact of trying new things have a new experience it's very uh invigorating and also um as i grow older i think it's very easy actually to become cynical for for me one way to deal with that is to kind of uh get new information get new experience um i think that uh the pandemic is pretty hard for 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 a lot of people and it's also a bit, it's kind of time for a lot of people to review their life choices review their plan uh what's next so I kind of take that also as a opportunity to see what else I can I can try. Um, so right now um, I'm I'm trying to write a little kind of well, opera. So <laughs> I'm not good at it, but it's just fun to to try new things. I am I t- rambling. I I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, no you're not. I I, I think you're just sharing a very, you know, a few different things about yourself and that's really wonderful, especially the book. Um, That's exciting. Will it be translated into English? I'm not sure right now, uh, but I think uh, that talk is
1: really, the talk is in English, really kind of the summary of the, the book already. Oh.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to have to go and, and watch the talk after this conversation for sure. I feel like I might have watched it before. I need to double check. But yeah, um, that sounds really exciting. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. And thanks for being here. You know, it's it's so great to learn from um, your journey, especially because, you know, I'm still fascinated by the fact that you changed career and you took a detour just so you can get to the career you want. That's super inspiring. Well, thanks for having me. It's a such a pleasure to uh, share. I mean,
1: we're still in the same boat. We are still struggling with a lot of <laughs> similar biases or uh, uh, challenges. Yeah. yeah. So it's wonderful to be
0: able to compare notes and uh, share yeah. ideas. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure we all do, you know, especially our audience. Everyone does uh, struggle <laughs> with this to a certain extent. And it's good to get a reminder every now and again. Exactly. You have been listening to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights Podcast produced by the Wellbeing Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 life management perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, Please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website, we.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Lungo. Thanks for tuning in.